0: Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant, and yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord already, hasn't it? Yes. If you have your Bible, go ahead and make your way with me to the book of Philemon or Philemon. I'm going to call him Philemon this morning. It okay, you all? I hope so, because I'm going to anyway. Uh, I love you. I'm glad you're here, but... I believe God has a word for me and you from this short little letter. Matter of fact, shortest letter Paul wrote in the Greek original manuscript, only 335 words. So y'all are thinking it's a short book, going to be a short sermon, right? Huh? Come on now. Except you saw all that people coming out and letting you in at the last minute. And so now you're thinking, oh, maybe not. I want to say, I'm so glad you came at 1015. You know, let me say why. I'm not going to be rushed. I'm able to just... I want, to get, I want you to get the full buffet that God has for you here today. And uh, I'm so glad that you made made. I'm glad that you're on time. If you'll notice on the chair backs in front of you, if you're one of our guests, we wanna say thank you for making the decision to come out and worship King Jesus with us. On the chair backs in front of you is a little QR code. And if you'll scan that, it'll help us to minister to you on a deeper level than just saying hey to you this morning. Also, remember announcements are now, we're not making those in our worship time. We're giving those a QR code on a big stand out front and all over the walls in your small groups. And you can also go to hickoryridge.net and stay current on the events and things that are going on in the life of God's gathering here we call Hickory Ridge. By the way, it's been a great week. And what I mean by that is uh, on Sunday, preaching twice and then once to the women's prison and then coming back and seeing uh, the testimony of Christ in Chad's life as Chad brought the word Sunday night, blessed my heart immeasurably. And then this week, given the opportunity uh, to preach and minister to pastors this week and then hearing Jimmy share his testimony and share the word on Wednesday night, I'm telling you, God has so richly blessed this gathering. And uh, as I look around, not only with gifted men and women who serve so well, think about everybody who's serving right now. Did you know there are people all around you serving on the security team right now? No, you didn't because you can't tell who they are, right? That's part of the plan. Just in case any bad guys should show up, we have that covered with an amazing uh, security. By the way, aren't you glad of that? I hope that you are, and many men and women put much time and effort into that. Also, those that are serving in the media, those that are serving in the production room that takes this message and then takes the cameras and puts this message out. See, we reach thousands of people outside these walls because you guys share the message on social media, and those people serve in such a great capacity. You have those in the nursery right, they are rocking little babies and allowing mom and dad to come in and hear the word of God. You have those that are teaching children and pre-K, and, and uh, you have youth, as we talked about in early worship, that Brian and all those leaders are down with the youth, they have a breakfast. By the way, if you're a youth here and you're not a, know a part of that, man, you ought to come enjoy some breakfast on Sunday morning and just a time of fellowship and hanging out and encouragement, and then they all come and, and sit together. You can. You don't have to, but you understand there's just so much going on, so many wonderful servants. Let me say this to you. Where do you fit in? Where do you fit in? Have you thought about the fact that we are a large group and we're growing by the number? Matter of fact, overflow's full right now. People are out in the common area sitting down. In the area where you came in, that middle area, they're in chairs out there. And uh, so, so what is, what's your, how are you fitting into what's going on here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? And I pray that you would seek the Lord's will on that because the more servants we have, the further out the rotations are, and the more opportunity everybody has to come and sit under the preaching of the word. Now, let me say this to that. Thank you, moms and dads, grandmom and granddad, for bringing your children in here. Uh, I get some of the greatest artwork. So kids, I need you to do two things. Keep mom and dad and grandmom and granddad awake. We get cool and still. Even with the extra hour of sleep, we'll get sleepy. And the second thing is, I want to challenge you to draw a picture based on what you hear today. You're going to hear you're going to hear a testimony of a man by the name of Paul who is in a prison cell writing a letter to another man. And so one of the pictures I got this morning had a had Paul drawn out. He looked Amish, had that beard, no mustache, had that beard, and he's sitting in a jail cell writing a letter. We have some of the greatest artists, but listen, what that does is, a young person, it helps you to lock into what you're listening to. Okay, mom and dad, thank you. They're maybe a little distracted. They can play with their toys and things. Having them under the preached word of God is so very important. So listen. Listen, if you hear some baby crying or kid's commotion, hey, have a little more focus than that. Look straight ahead, right? Don't gaze at them with that mean look. Instead, uh, you just keep your focus up here and let's see what God's gonna say to me and you. The book of Philemon, you there? Somebody amen? All right, now that I have said like 15 minutes worth of talking um, before we even get started, I want us to look. Now, you'll notice that there are not chapters in Philemon. Why? It's a short letter, and so they're just verses. So I won't say chapter one. I'll just say the verse number, okay? Let me give you some context as to what's going on, all right? Now, what's happening here is the Apostle Paul has met a man by the name of Onesimus. and How many of you know anybody named Onesimus? You think that might be a short list of, of names on your list of potential names for your baby coming up? Can you imagine? <laughs> Brian's nodding, yes, where's Taylor at? I bet she ain't nodding you. And so Onesimus, right, Onesimus. Now the word means profitable, we'll get back to that in just a minute. But he's met this man named Onesimus, and Onesimus is a slave, okay? So we're gonna, that's not the major issue of the book, but we will address that as we go along, okay? So Onesimus has come and he's ministering to Paul, or he's met Paul while he's in prison. And what Paul has done while in prison is to share the good news with Onesimus. Now what is the good news? The good news is that God so loved the world that his Son, God the Son, wrapped himself in flesh, came down to earth. He came down to earth for several reasons. Number one, show us what God is like, as man was confused. He came and experienced what man is like, because he'd never been man before. And thirdly, most importantly, he came that he might die for the sins of all mankind, so that we, in fact, could be forgiven of our sins and have right relationship with God the Father. And he was buried and he rose again, proving every claim he ever made. That's the good news. So Paul, while in prison, shared this good news with Onesimus. And Onesimus responded to the gospel and invited Jesus to be the Lord of his life, okay? Now, the problem with Onesimus is that he's a runaway slave. And not only is he a runaway slave, but he's a runaway slave that it appears from the text is stolen something from his master, okay? Now, I know that you're thinking slavery and the Bible and what does the Bible say about it. So I'm going to go ahead and address that now. That'd be okay? Great. Here I go. Slavery is not condoned in the word of God, and yet when you read through Philemon, you begin to ask yourself the question, why did Paul not strongly condemn slavery, right? And so let's go ahead and address that so it's not a mental or emotional block for you as we walk through the passage, the text, okay? So again, the question might be, why didn't he just say, hey, uh, Philemon, you need to just let him go. Don't let him be a slave anymore. And he does in a roundabout way, but you'll see in a minute. The, the reasoning is this. This letter is not a social justice issue. It's a personal issue between uh, Philemon, the slave owner, and Onesimus, the slave. Does that make sense to you? In other words, Paul is not prompted of the Holy Spirit to be a public platform of denouncing slavery and turning the culture upside down. Instead, he chooses to deal with a personal relationship between a slave owner and a, sl- a runaway slave and to teach them uh, doctrine or theology, the study of God, the ways of God, that he's going to challenge Philemon not to receive Onesimus as a slave, but to receive him as a brother. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows and Paul knows that theology, doctrine, the word of God, that is what changes culture, not just preaching or talking against what's wrong. Does that make sense to you? And so what he's doing is he's teaching a principle of the kingdom that the principle of the kingdom will begin to infiltrate the people of God, and then it infiltrates culture. Does that make sense? Nod your if this is yes, this is no. And that blank stare means that you didn't get that extra hour of sleep. You just stayed up later, right? Okay, so as we dive in, let's put that to the side. We understand what this particular context is. And now let's stand to our feet in honor of reading God's word. Now, uh, how many? let me ask you this question as you're standing. Do you feel like you have a little better footing as to what Philemon is all about? Yes? Uh, How many of you came in and really didn't know much about Philemon? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Boy, I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, let's dive in and learn a little bit about the principles of the kingdom. And really, the title of the message is Raised to Walk New. Now, the testimony of all of these, (laughs) how about that, boy? All these baptisms, we get to see people come to you. The testimony is that they died to themselves, and they were raised with Christ to walk new. Okay? Now, listen to me. There is a sad thought in the life of the church, and it has been for many generations, that I have prayed a prayer... And so how I live my life doesn't matter. Nowhere in the Word of God do we see it teach, but what we re- taught, we really do believe it in our minds. Why? Well, of times we go out and we say, well, that's just how I am, or that's how my mama was, or I'm just, this is who I am. And we never understand that what Paul said in Romans 6 is that we were, we were buried with Christ, we're dead to that old person, and we've been made new. So in fact, the new life on display in a world of old natures all around us is is particularly important because well we shine like a light in the darkness. So are you tracking with me this morning? All right, let's pick up now in verse number 1. I'm going to read one all the way down. Are you ready for this to verse number 18. Verse number 18. Paul a prisoner of Jesus of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother so they're writing this letter in conjunction together to Philemon our beloved friend and fellow laborer. To the beloved Epaphras, Archippus, our fellow soldier and to the church in your House. Here's what we learn in the greeting. The greeting tells us that uh, he is, Philemon is a wealthy person. Why? Uh, Because he has a church in his home. Now, what I mean by that is uh, most people in this particular day and time rented a room if they were a common person, but if they were wealthy, they had their own dwelling. And then if they had a dwelling large enough to gather believers, they were a little better off. Y'all tracking with me? So, so Philemon is a man who's well off, who obviously also has at least one slave, Onesimus. And we find the situation that's going on. Here's what he says to him in verse number three, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward, y'all help me. All the saints, saints is a word that references New Testament believers in this context. The church, people who've been born again. That the sharing of your faith may become, uh oh, become, so it's happening, but it needs to be something, all right. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Being such a one as Paul, the aged, so we know that Paul's later in life, and now also a prisoner of Christ. We know he's in prison writing a letter. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in chains. So he shared the good news, and he's been saved while Paul was incarcerated. Verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable both to you and to me. I'm sending him, y'all help me, back. Ooh, that's kind of dangerous. Roman law, slave escapes, slave runs, slave dies. Slave escapes, slave steals, slave escapes, slave is tortured to death. It's the Roman machine. All right, let's read a little further. Verse 13, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but instead how? Voluntary. Voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him, how long? Forever. How should he receive him forever? No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would if it was me coming to see you, if it was me coming to live with you. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, listen to this, put that on my account. All right, we're going to unpack all of that together this morning. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I'm so fired up about this word, and I'm going to pray real quick that y'all get fired up because y'all are looking at me like you didn't have your coffee this morning. And so I'm going to pray right now by the Holy Spirit of God, you get a little fire in you, and we interact together, all right? So let's pray. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you that all of us face difficult situations that are really opportunities and platforms for the newness to be exposed to a world who's in desperate need of Jesus. Father, would you help me today to preach with all of my inadequacies and personal failure and, Lord, weaknesses? You know I'm less than ordinary, and so thank you today as you preach through me. You'll prove to these people again, and myself as well, that you can use anybody you desire, anywhere you desire, anytime you desire, because you're God. And, Lord, as you do that, would you also preach to my heart? I need to hear this word again and again and again. And, God, would you, would you take this word and write it on the tablets of our hearts? God calls us to sit down in our chair like we're pulling up a chair at the table with our daddy and that you would speak the words of life to us. Now may we leave this place forever changed. It's in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus that I make our cry, amen and amen. Thank you and you may be seated. I don't know what's going on here this morning but everybody seems like they lost an hour of sleep instead of gaining an hour of sleep. And I, on the other hand, sat around waiting like the time is never gonna come. I'm waiting and waiting and pacing and waiting and, and uh, finally it's here and so I'm, I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad the time has arisen. Let's, the title of the message, Raised to Walk New. When you were born again, you were raised to walk new. Now we're gonna talk about two particular areas today, raised to walk new. Here is the main idea of the passage, all right? Philemon 4 through 19, here it is, you ready? Jesus makes us new. Now, we're going to talk through that and unpackage that. Jesus makes us new. Can we say that together, all together, that we say what? Jesus new? The question is, are we living new? Now, there's a question to ask ourselves today as we walk through the text, okay? Am I living, y'all help me, new. Write that somewhere. Am I living new? Jesus, in fact, makes us new, but the question is, am I living new? Now, what is the option? The option is either to live new or live old. What does it mean to live old? Well, we're born into a situation. How many of you know we're born into a situation? Word of God says that we are all born uh, separated from God, lost and desperate for him, uh, guilty of our sin with a sin nature that we've acted upon. And so we all are born into this separation from God. As a matter of fact, the word says that we are darkness at that time. And so we're born that way. And as we walk the journey of that, we try to live this way that says, I am the best thing that ever happened, and what I want trumps what everybody else wants, and I don't care who it hurts and what it costs me, I'm going to enjoy one moment at a time, however I want to do it, wherever I want to do it, in the capacity that I desire, and to the extent that I desire. And I'm telling you, uh, you can find it in the nursery, you can find it at your house, And, and I always talk about the nursery, but you know what you can do? You can also find it in other small groups. You can find it in every church, did you know that? Every gathering of believers all around the world today, you can find that same old nature rearing its ugly head. Matter of fact, you can find it in your life, and you can find it in my life. It's where the old nature that puts me above everything else begins to show itself, whether in thought, in deed, or in word. So today, let's talk about Jesus makes us new, and let's look at There's going to be two Roman numerals. That's it. See, y'all thinking about you're probably going to be first in line to get lunch today, but maybe not. All right, here we go. Roman number one, write it in your notes there, okay? Jesus makes us new, how? All right, let's talk about some areas. Number one, a new life with new principles. Just write that down. A new life with new principles. These new principles are kingdom principles. If you wanna kinda make a few notes about these new principles. Now, you and I are going to operate one way or the other, either the principles of the kingdom of the earth or the principles of the kingdom of God. Did you know that? We're gonna operate our lives based on one of the two kingdoms. We're born into one. We're born again into the principles of the kingdom of God, okay? And by the way, they are opposite in nature. If you know that, shake your head yes. What do you mean? Well, the principles of the world say, if you offend me, I should offend you back. Uh, and the principles of the world say, if you hit me, I'll hit you back. The principles of the world say that, uh, uh, if you borrow from me and don't return it, I ought to be mad at you and expect things to return. But the kingdom is opposite. The, key, the ways of the kingdom says, if you ask the bar, I should expect nothing in return. The ways of the kingdom are, if you hit me, I'll to turn near the other cheek. Uh, the ways of the kingdom are, if you hurt and offend me, I ought to not return evil for evil, but instead blessing and pray for you. Do you see what I'm talking about? They are in fact in opposite to one another. So the question is, which set of principles am I living? Let's look at them. So what happens first? Paul identifies the these principles in the life of this believer named Philemon. All right, let's look at what they are. There are three, gonna be a list of three. What are these principles that Paul here are seen in the life of Philemon as a believer? Number one is this. This new life, new principles, first principle we'll look at is an observable love for Jesus and his followers. Write that down. An observable love for Jesus, and not just for Jesus, two parts, also his followers, okay? A love for Jesus and his followers. Now, observable does not mean a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus uh observable means you wake up in the morning and spend time with him before everybody else observable doesn't mean you go to church every once in a while observable means you're talking to him and walking in communion and talking and listening to him all throughout your day uh, observable doesn't mean that uh you put a little money in the offering plate observable means you live a generous lifestyle as the spirit prompts you do as he leads does that make sense to you observable an observable love for him now let me say the second part of that observable love for his followers if you love somebody did you know this if you love somebody you want to hang out with them how many of you know that y'all boy y'all aren't participating well today I'm not gonna give up though I'm gonna keep preaching so what happens is think about for just a minute when you first fell in love can you think back that far And when you first fell in love, the lengths that you will go and the extents that you will travel to spend time with that special someone, can you remember? Uh, I can remember traveling uh, to where Tina lived. I didn't know that part of Mississippi existed, a place called Ryanzi, Mississippi. I didn't know how to spell it. And I didn't know that you could leave Byram and travel four and a half, sometimes five hours and not be in Memphis. I said, you can be in Memphis in three and a half. There's no way you can be in Mississippi in four and a half or five. And yet she did, and I gladly drove it just to see her. So, what, what I mean by this is a love for Jesus, okay, so I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm doing whatever's necessary to meet with him, but also his followers. I want to be with them. I want to be serving with them. I want to be having fellowship with them. I want to be doing study in the word together with them. I want to be cheering them on and holding them accountable. I want them cheering me on, holding me accountable. There is an observable, love. now listen, this is, this is not what it looks like, okay? This is, this is not what the love for the saints look like. Well, I can have church and my deer stand up in a tree. That's not loving the followers of Christ. The followers of Christ says, I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to be with them, so that we can be better together. Anybody tracking with me? All right, so let's read. Where did I find that? Look with me back in verse number four. Verse number four. Here's what Paul said. Now notice, he's gonna take this first section and talk about the observable principles of the kingdom he sees in Philemon's life. Number verse four. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Now, when you read that, you think, well, he's he's praying for Philemon every single day, every time he prays. In the Greek text, it literally says this. Every time I think of you, I'm praying for you. Uh, Do you have anybody like that in your life that when you think about them, you're, listen to what he prays for him first, okay? So verse five, uh, I always, when I I thank my God, verse four, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord and toward all the saints, the sharing of your faith. He said, I'm thanking God for what I see in your life. Do you have anybody in your life that when you think about them, you know, you may be riding around, you may be at work, you may be uh, doing something at home and when they come to your mind, y'all know what I'm talking about? When they come to your mind, Rather than having ill feelings, (laughs) right? The moment you think about them, there's a gratitude in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? Yesterday, uh, I was writing. uh, Yesterday morning, I was writing, and I I I thought for just a minute about a friend of mine named Harold Riley. And I thought about this last week. I was just kind of looking back over the week, praying for different pastors and their wives and the struggles they're going through as we spent this week together. And I thought about this man from Kentucky who had, had no other investment in this to put these pastors together and bring pastors in to minister to them except that he loved the people of God. He took of his own time and his own resource. I thought about all the people that give to HR ministries and the things that they do in order to do the many things that he does for the king. And as I was riding, I could just see that big joker in my head, because when you see, he's a big old man. I have seen him in my head while I'm riding, and I, just, I was just smiling up towards heaven. Yeah, I took my eyes off the road for just a second. I put him right back on. But I looked up towards heaven, and I just thought about him. And when I thought about him, you know the first feeling I felt? gratitude in my heart. And what I did in my prayer time is I said, God, thank you for Harold. And I do that for so many of you guys as God brings you to my mind. And specifically in the areas where I see you ministering to other people for the glory of Jesus' name. It makes me great. Anybody, let me ask you something. You got people in your life that when you think about them, now you're not grateful because they, you know, built you a bigger house. You're not grateful because they take care of you and do things for you. Now that's one thing. But I'm talking about simply because they're ministering to the people of God. Listen to what he says, he sees this observable love for Jesus and this observable love for the saints. That's what he says in the end of verse number five. And so you and I ought to have this observable love for Jesus, in other words, it looks like this. I'm spending time with him, people can see it. I'm talking about him, people can hear it. I'm living for him, people observe that and when they come to the conclusion, they'll say about you, that guy loves Jesus. Do you know there's no greater compliment that could be made about you, Jay? Then people say, you know Jay, that's one thing I know about Jay. He loves Jesus. How do you know that? Oh, man, he talks about him all the time. He starts his day with him. He's not going to go to any other uh, outlet until he meets with the Lord. He can't, he loves him. Well, you mean, I thought you meant because he wore a T-shirt. No, anybody can wear a T-shirt, but it's observable in his life. And Paul says in, in Philemon's life, there's an observable love for Jesus and an observable love for the believers. All right, let me ask you a question. Is there an observable love in your life for Jesus and for the followers of Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, is it sometimes difficult to be with the people, the, the, the followers of Christ? Uh, let, me, let me pose the question this way. Who's, who's easier to love, Jesus or his disciples? Jesus, is it easier to love Jesus or his followers? Je- i love that y'all are like what are we supposed to say here jesus right because jesus never sat you down and rubbed you the wrong way jesus never uh, whined and complained jesus never uh, sucked from you resource right and so because of that, it's so much easier because what jesus did is he gave he gave everything that he had <clears throat> but in this life you and i are faced with the truth that sometimes it's hard to love other believers But the evidence of a love for Christ is loving people with all of our inadequacies and all our failures because guess what, we all have them. Every single one of us have them. Number two, our observable love for Jesus and followers uh, by faith. Number two, uh, this new principles is that you also have a continual testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says here in verse number six, okay? Verse number six, it's gonna be verse six. He says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Verse number six, a little bit confusing, isn't it? Anybody want to come up and explain that one to us? A little bit confusing. He says, here's what I'm praying. I says, I thank God for you. I'm also praying that your sharing of your faith would become what? Effective. So what I need you to see in that first is that Philemon was, in fact, sharing his faith. Paul didn't say, I'm praying that you start sharing your faith. He said, I'm praying that the sharing of your faith would become effective more effective. So, a mark of the believer, a new principle is that the man, the woman who's been born again, is testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where did you get that, preacher? Well, he just said it, but also, how about when Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse number eight, when we receive, when we wait, the Holy Spirit will come upon us and we'll receive power to be his witnesses. What do witnesses do? They testify. So Philemon is going about his life testifying of Jesus who bled and died and rose again and who has saved Philemon and set him free from the bondage of sin, the power of sin, the penalty of sin. So he was telling people about, but here's what Paul said. There's an underlying thing you see Paul doing here. Paul's saying, but here's the thing. You, you, there's a testimony that you're sharing Jesus, but my prayer is it will become more effective, right? By acknowledging the good thing that's in you. Here's what he's, here's what he's setting, he's setting Philemon up for Philemon, right? Here's what he's saying. Philemon, you are about to have an opportunity to expose or to show the world the acknowledgement of what's good in you, the Holy Spirit. And by what you do with this thing I'm about to share with you, is going to make your gospel presentation more effective. Listen when I say this to you. Your gospel presentation becomes much more effective when your life lines up with the gospel. And in this particular case, it's going to have to do with forgiveness, oh mercy. One of the greatest testimonies of the life of a believer is when we're able to forgive because God in Christ has first forgiven us. He says, Philemon, you've been sharing your faith, but I'm about to give you an opportunity. There's a platform here, it's gonna be difficult, but I'm about to present you with a platform that if you will follow the Spirit's leadership, your gospel presentation will be much more effective. Some of us in here don't realize that our lifestyles, our lack of forgiveness, our unkindness, our mean-spiritedness, our complaining and begrudging, our always being negative is hampering our presentation of the gospel. As a matter of fact, probably a large percentage of, of us here in the room never, never present the gospel to anyone in our lifetime, and that's a sad, sad thing. Let me tell you why. We like to sit back and complain, look at culture, look at what's going on. Oh, when my parents were little, look at what's happening to our country, what's happening in the world. Oh, darkness seems to be overwhelming the culture. And I would say this, the chances are pretty high, it's because you and I are not making disciples. The way to answer the call of darkness, overcoming the light, it can't do it, but it appears in culture is this, not to complain or to wonder about who's gonna be in office, but it's about me and you having an authentic walk with Jesus where we're telling other people about his forgiveness and what it means to know him and to be known by him. Okay, let me just walk on through this thing a little bit. So first, uh, new principle is this observable love for Jesus and his followers. Number two, a continual testifying of him. Am I testifying? In other words, whose principle am I living? The kingdom of the earth, which says don't mention Jesus. Talk about work, talk about your football team, talk about weather. Uh, or the principle of the kingdom says talk about Jesus. It's an easy thing. Just just choose number three, and this observable or these new principles is encouragement to other believers, encouragement of other believers. Look at verse number seven four. He's still still telling Philemon, this is what I see in you. I see the principles of the kingdom in you. You love Jesus and you love His people. You're testifying. I'm praying it becomes more effective. But you're testifying of Jesus. And thirdly, look what he says in verse seven. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints, listen, have been, I love this word, refreshed by you. And then what does he call him? Brother. And Let me ask you a question. Do you have any people in your life that you know that when you're around them, they actually suck the joy out of your life? Now don't say names out loud and don't look around the room, okay? Just look forward and I'll just assume it's me, right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but to know that there are certain people that will suck the very life out of you, won't they? And, and, and it happens this way. Sometimes it's complaining. Sometimes it's, uh, uh, sometimes it's just grumbling all the time. Sometimes it's just talking about politics and all the temporary things of the world is the main focus of the life. Sometimes it's somebody at work who's just always pointing out what's wrong with you. You know anybody like that? Pointing out what's wrong with you, what you should be doing different, Right. Sometimes, sometimes it's not having any support. It's just the person's only pointing out what you're not doing and never encouraging for the things that you are doing. You know anybody like that? And wouldn't you agree with me that rather than when you're around them, you do not feel, here's the word, refreshed. You leave out of there thinking, man, I wish I could plug myself into a battery charger, huh? And because I'm I'm telling you, you get around certain people and it is like you can feel your life meter going down, buddy, huh? and they're complaining, all they do is fuss, and all they do is they're never ever content and satisfied and they never really talk much about their relationship with Jesus and who he is to them and what he's teaching them. And it feels like, and by the way, as you're thinking about that person, some of y'all got a little scowl on your face. Now, here's what I wanna say to that, sometimes it's you, sometimes it's me. The truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, if we don't stay close to Jesus, if we don't start the day with him, then what we are is this default setting that says everything's wrong in the world and we invite people into that scenario. But let me ask you a question. Do you have anybody in your life that when you get to spend a little bit of time with them, when you leave that little bit of time with them, you feel refreshed in your spirit? Raise your hand if you've got somebody like that in your life. See, there's a sad reality that's about maybe half of us. And I believe those people are few and far between, aren't they? And they like to discuss the things of God. They like to talk about what God's done. I'm not talking about they don't ever acknowledge things are wrong. But you know, you can acknowledge things that are wrong and even do that in a positive light and talk about what the potential of Jesus is in the life of another person. You can get around some people and all they do is talk about other people and what they wear and what they do and where they are, what they struggle with. And you get around that, man, it just sucks the life out of it. But on the other hand, you get around people who are looking for the positives and they're seeing what Jesus is doing and the potential of a person if they give their life to Christ and what this person would look like if they were free of drugs or what this husband or what this wife would be like if they really fell in love with Jesus. And I'm telling you, when you're around them, you leave out of there, man, you feel like you've been plugged into a battery charger. And what Paul is saying to Philemon is that, man, the evidence of Christ in you that when I'm with you, man, not just me, but, w- but with the other believers, we're refreshed by you. And so my question would be, as I pose it to myself, as I pose it to you, how do people feel in our presence and when they leave our presence? Could it be that somebody this week was discouraged because of something you and I said or some attitude that we had? Also, what is the potential of next week? That as we all look back, there were things that we said and did that we wish we could undo, but guess what? Here's the news flash. You ready? They can't be undone. But as God gives us today and if He gives us tomorrow, what if we woke up and said, you know what? These are the principles of the kingdom. I've been, I've been living the wrong principles. So Jesus, would you produce this in me? And that when people around you, customers and bosses and fellow students and teachers, what if, what if our youth lived a life that said, when the teachers around me, I want them to leave out of here refreshed because they've been in the presence of a youth who knows Jesus and walks with Him and is living His way. Wow, man, are you kidding me? God gives me and you that kind of potential, yes, he does. So, from a number one, a new life with new, y'all help me, principles. What were they? An observable love for Jesus and his, and his followers, a continual testifying of him, and then thirdly, encouragement of other believers. I pray you would become a cheerleader for the kingdom of heaven that you would cheer on the people of God. But now listen, Paul is saying to Philemon, I see this in you, I've heard about this in you. Now he's gonna move to the opportunity, okay? So number, Roman numeral was a new life with new principles, that was to deal with uh, Philemon. Secondly, I want us to talk now about a new life with new opportunities. A new life with new opportunities. Now let me ask you a question, when you hear opportunities, what are some of the things that come to your mind? Jobs, pay, opportunities, school, opportunities, better life, right? Isn't that interesting, our Western way of thinking that when we hear opportunities, we think about more money, more space, nicer, newer, faster, Um, but interestingly enough, the opportunity that Paul is about to present to Philemon is gonna be a very difficult one. It's the platform and the opportunity of forgiveness. Now, let me say something, when you and I think about opportunities, we say, oh, this week, maybe, maybe somebody will offend me and hurt me and talk about me and do something wrong with me so that I'll be able to forgive them. We don't see that too much as an opportunity. Instead, we see that as a, a roadblock, problem, situation. So let's look, all right? I'm back in verse number eight where we left off, okay? So in verse seven, he says, we have this great joy. Listen, I pray you'd, you'd put verse seven in front of your eyes this week and, and that when you go to work, that you'd be an encourage you to fresh hearts. And when you go to school, you'd refresh hearts. And wherever you find yourself, people would be refreshed by being with you. Uh, verse number eight, therefore though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Now, listen to verse number eight. He's saying, he's acknowledging here spiritual authority in Philemon's life, right? Y'all see that? Now, another thing that Western way of thinking, we don't like to think about anybody having authority over us, and that's a lot of our problem in our daily life is that we don't acknowledge spiritual authority that God has put in our lives. And as always, we buck against that, and we want to talk against that and speak against that instead of letting people take the Bible who have spiritual authority and minister to us, whether that ministry be an encouragement or a correction. Boy, it gets quiet in here when you do that. And let me just say that what happens now is he's saying, I could come to you and say, now you receive him because I said so. And Philemon knew spiritual authority in his life. He would have done it just because Paul said it, and he he owed Paul that as spiritual authority in his life. But he said, I'm not coming at you that way. Y'all tracking with me? He said, I'm not coming to you that way. And so as we talk about this new life of new opportunities, little number one, and there are three under this one as well, number one is this, new opportunities to reveal a new kind of love. Write that down just quickly in your notes. New opportunities to reveal this new life. When we come out of that baptism, we're talking about raised to walk in newness of life. What is this new life? What does it mean to raised in Christ to walk new? Well, I got a, a new set of principles, but I also have a new set of opportunities. Look what happens in verse number nine. Yet for, I want you to get this. Yet for, help me read it out loud. Yet for, boy, I don't know what's going on this morning. Here we go again. Huge group. I hear one voice. All right, verse number nine. Yet for, hallelujah, there we go. Now we're interacting. Love's sake. For the sake of love. Now, wait a minute. If I command you to do something, you do it. Is that not love? No. It's why you have free will, friend. God gave to mankind free will. Why? Because if you only act out of obligation, there's no love there. But if you're presented with two options, and whichever one you choose generally is the one that you want to do. It's the one that you love. And he said, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do here. I'm going to present you with an opportunity to show the newness, to show what's inside that good thing. Back in, when he says that your uh, gospel would have, be more effective because acknowledging the good thing that's in you. I'm giving you an opportunity to let the Spirit lead, that good thing in you. I'm giving you an opportunity here. Wait, what? Yeah, because if you forgive somebody, it'll have to be the Spirit of God that does it. And so so I'm giving you an opportunity here uh, to acknowledge that thing which is in you, you, which is greater. But then in verse 9, he says, yeah, for love's sake, I'd rather give you the option. I'd rather appeal to you. I'd rather come and ask you so first thing i want you to write down is new opportunities to reveal a new kind of love Uh, let's read on this a little bit verse number nine he says being such a one as paul the aged and now also a prisoner of jesus christ so all we know so far is that he's about to present him with something difficult something that will point to jesus something that he can't do in his own own flesh and so let me tell you that life is full of those wouldn't you agree with me Life is full of difficult people and difficult circumstances and difficult situations and that by design, listen, that by design are opportunities to show the newness that Christ is now in charge of your life. The old way. No, 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 Anissimus stole from me. Uh, Anissimus ran out from my home. Uh, I'm not going to forgive him. Matter of fact, Roman law says he can be killed, but because he stole, he can be killed in a terrible way. And I'm going to get what's mine because that's what he deserves. Have you heard this in the South? I hate a thief. And so... He's given us. He said, "I'm about to give you a new opportunity to show a new kind of love. Let me give you some verses to go along with that quickly. Write these in your notes. 2 Corinthians five, verses thirteen to fifteen. Now Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. Second letter. Here's what he says. Listen about this love, this new love, these new opportunities to show this love. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we're a sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ. Listen compels us, what he's saying is, this new way of living is now lived not by the love of myself or the love that I was born with is based on conditions, but this new love is a love that says because God loved me, I love everybody. And the love doesn't cause me to sit on the sidelines and stay in my anger and bitterness, but the love of Christ, that word compels me, to take somebody from a seated position that's spectating to get in the game. Now what's the game here in the context of Philemon? It is to get in the game by forgiving Onesimus. Get in the gas. See, some of us, we hear about forgiveness, we think about the thing the person has done wrong. How many of you would say to me this morning that, that uh, you have a text message from somebody who said something to you or wronged you? Maybe last week, maybe two weeks ago. I, I met a man not too long ago, eight years ago, he'd been saving a text message that somebody said something to him, called him some names, mistreated him, and he said every once in a while, you know what he would do? He'd pull it up and, come on, you know, because you've done it. And what would he do? Do you love that, everybody answer together? Reread it. And what happens when you reread that thing? <laughs> you get mad. And, your, and the unforgiveness grows. And maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a letter somebody wrote you. Maybe it's an action. Maybe you don't have any written proof of that, but the proof is in your head. And all you ever do is rehearse what they said, what they did. And it keeps you from forgiving and it calls you to be angry and bitter. And what he's saying to him is there's an opportunity in this situation that you can show that your love is no longer condition-based. L- listen to me. To love those who have wronged you is the only opportunity you and I will ever get to show that the love in us is not based on conditions. If I only love those who look like me, if I only love those who do what I want them to do when I want them to do it, I've only ashamed to the world that I've learned, I've learned condition-based love from the womb. But when I love someone who's stolen from me or who's abused me or who's betrayed me, I say to the world there's a new love in me, the kind of love that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that says, listen to this, you ready? Love keeps no record of wrongdoing. So somebody today needs to delete that old text message. The record needs to be erased. Somebody's got an old email that you bring up from time to time, read it, you need to delete that thing. Listen, and listen, I know right now the flesh is saying, don't you do it, don't you do it, it feels good to be angry, not nearly as good as it feels to forgive. And so Paul is saying to him, listen, Philemon, I know that you're a believer, why? Because I see that you live according to a different set of principles. The principles of the kingdom of God where the king has dominion. Now, now, take this principles, this new relationship you have, this new way of living, and let's apply it to a very difficult situation. Okay? So a new life with new opportunities. Let me ask you a question. What's the love of God calling you to forgive today? Somebody that you have put into a mental prison because of what they said or what they did. Now, let me say this to you. Ready? They're not in prison at all they're going about their daily lives, they're doing what they do, and yet sometimes when you think about them right now, you're thinking about what they said to you at work, what they did to you at school, what they, what they put on the Snapchat about you. I'm telling you, you're rehearsing that in your mind, and right now that anger and bitterness just wells up inside of you, and the same way as, uh, as, as Philemon could be sitting in his chair at night and wondering where Onesimus is and whatever it was that he apparently had stolen, and he could just rehearse that, the fact that he'd been good to him, and he'd taken care of him, and now he had done that to, as a reward, and it'd be really easy to just kind of Think through that over and over and won't revenge. But in fact, it is not the person. Onesimus was no longer in prison. As a matter of fact, Onesimus had come to Jesus, he was freer than he'd ever been before. And that person that you've not forgiven, that person that's harmed you and abused you or done wrong to you, they, in fact, are not in the prison in your mind. It is you and me. When we're unforgiving and when we're bitter and angry, I'm telling you, we're the ones who are in the prison. And let me say this to you. It is not fair. It makes no sense for the offense to have happened and then for us to put ourselves in a prison of anger and unforgiveness. He's saying Onesimus. Now, remember, this relationship with Jesus isn't going to church. I mean, that's a benefit. This relationship with Jesus is expressed in difficult moments when you love the unlovable and when you forgive the unforgivable. Let me move on if I can, all right? Number two, we is a list to three. Number one was new opportunities to reveal a new kind of love. Number two, new opportunities to serve the Lord in difficulty. To serve the Lord in difficulty. Who am I gonna talk about now? I'm gonna talk for just a minute about the Apostle Paul so far. I've been talking about Philemon's opportunities, right? His principles and his opportunity. But I want to switch for a minute and talk about what we observe from the text that Paul is doing. In a, how many of you think that being in prison would be difficult? I think this about me and you. If we were in Paul's position, we'd have a GoFundMe. Huh? Because who can afford a lawyer? And we'd have lawyers. Come on, y'all. Walk with me. We'd be asking our Christian friends to protest, you know, make their signs and walk on the, on, on the, on the streets of the Capitol, you know, protest and say, why? Because I've been arrested for doing nothing wrong. And Paul's in prison. But instead of wasting his time complaining about his situation, grumbling about the difficulties of the day, he's writing letters led by the Holy Spirit to churches and to people. And not only that, He's sharing the good news with everybody around him. Look what we find. This is amazing. Look what we find in these verses and following in verse, number, in verse number 10. Look with me if you are. Excuse me, verse number nine. Uh, verse nine says, Yet for love's sake I, I'd rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the age, he's letting us know that he's got a little age on him now, and now also the prisoner of Jesus. What do I see in there? He says in the next verse, verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains. So not only am I in a difficult situation writing encouragement to you Philemon but I'm in a difficult situation I'm sharing the good news with people like Onesimus and Onesimus is being saved can you imagine you imagine if Paul spent his life with a goat trying to raise the money to get out of jail or 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 having trials or or protesting or grumbling Onesimus never would have heard the good news of the gospel and I wonder how many people God's placed in your life in the most difficult of moments so that they will see that your relationship with Jesus is authentic simply because difficulty often proves authenticity. What you do when things are hard is what you really believe. And by the way, you know people watch you a little different, not on the mountaintop? Matter of fact, on the mountaintop, they don't really wanna to talk to you much. Huh? Come on now, what happens? When well, you get on the mountaintop, I don't wanna talk about that, I'm not on the mountain, so I don't wanna talk on the mountaintop, I don't wanna look up the mountain, But when you get in the valley, when you get in the, the difficult days, what happens? You know what happens? They lean in and look and listen. They wanna see what you do and hear what you're talking about. Is Jesus still Jesus? Are you still head over heels in love with him? Is he still priority in your life? Or have you swapped to complaining and molly and have you focused more on making money and getting yourself out of the situation? Have you just focused more on kind of moving past what's hard instead of still taking every day, knowing the sand is passing through your hourglass and time is of the essence and you're sharing Jesus with every person God puts in your path. Oftentimes, we have to be honest with ourselves and say that difficulty exposes that we're not as close to Jesus as we should be. Come on, somebody. And yet, God allows the difficulty to cause people to look at us a little more for the potential of shining light in a dark situation. And Paul is saying to Philemon, now listen. This is a hard, I'm not saying that the situation is not hard and that you don't feel like you deserve, but I'm telling you that while I'm here, I'm writing letters of encouragement to you and challenging to you, but also I'm sharing the good news and people are being saved. And what a challenging thought for me. Difficulty proves authenticity. Let me ask you a question. What is the difficulty of your day proven about your relationship with Jesus? Wrestle with that one for just a minute. What has the difficulty in your life In your marriage, and your single life, and your eighth grade class, and what you're going through as a a, a seventh grader, what is the difficulty of your life is said about your love and walk with Jesus? Authentic, is it real? Was it some just prayer I prayed? Am I just waiting for my golden ticket to heaven? Or do I really walk with Jesus, especially in the difficult times, okay? Finally, number three, you thought we'd never get there, didn't you? We are, we are. Everybody okay? All right, you're learning something today? Oh, Philemon, speaking to my heart, I don't know about you, but it has gripped my heart this week, and I'm reminded that sometimes forgiveness is the greatest opportunity for me to expose the gospel, and what a great truth. Let me just read, finally, closing with verses 10 through 17. Write this in your notes. Uh, We said new opportunities to reveal a new love, new opportunities to serve the Lord in difficulty. That's what Paul was doing. And thirdly and finally, new opportunities to, here it is, forgive. So Paul has gone through all of that, Acknowledging the principles of the kingdom in in Philemon's life, reminding him who he is. Paul has challenged him with the gospel being a lifestyle and not just words. And now he's presenting him with the opportunity to forgive. You ready? Everybody okay? Here we go. Read with me verses 10 and on down through 17. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. By the way, let me stop there and say, uh, there ought to be uh, some spiritual parents in your life and also, you ought to have some spiritual children. Now, sometimes I have people say to me, well, you know, we, we, we have fertility issues, whatever, we don't have children. Listen to me, every born-again believer ought to have some spiritual parents, some people that you look up to, right? And you ought to have some spiritual children, people that you've won to Christ, people that you've shared the good news with, that you are, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, come on, y'all, help me, making disciples out of. You see? Paul, Onesimus wasn't his biological son, he was his son in the faith. And you need that, and I need that, and that's what part of the church is for, not just to gather on Sunday morning, but to be that in each other's lives. So he says, I'm this, this son of mine who once was, it's funny because Onesimus' name means profitable, but Paul said, hey, I know he did something to you that seems unprofitable. What did he do? He left, most likely owed a debt, he was working off as a slave, but, but he left. But not only did he leave, took something, right? And so he says, I know he said, would you agree with me that that seems unprofitable? Yeah. But listen to what he says. Well, who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable. May I introduce to you the only one who can turn an unprofitable person to a profitable, and his name is Jesus. And though I have practiced a lifestyle that was very unprofitable for a long time, I'm so thankful that Jesus is producing in me a life that is profitable, not just for now, but for eternity. I wanna ask you to think about that. How profitable is your life in the kingdom? profitable life. Weren't some profitable, now profitable. Verse number 12, I'm sending him back. What? Sending him back. Why? It's the right thing to do. Now, I want you to think about something for a minute, okay? Think about if you were Onesimus. Huh? Somebody said, well, he's doing it because Paul told him to. Yeah, but Paul's in prison. Onesimus is not. Anybody with me? So we see that spiritual authority that most likely Paul is saying now here's the right thing to do, you've got to go back and make that right, you've got to go back and you can't be running for your life, you can't be, you gotta go, and Onesimus says what? Yeah, that's right, I'm new. I'm new, I don't care what the cost is, I'm new. I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm new. In our early worship time, the baptisms what happened, we were walking through that, and and she said, Here's what she said. She said, I wasn't I was saved years ago, but I didn't know I wasn't baptized because I cared about what people think. She says, I don't care anymore. You don't care about the cost anymore, you see. And so Onesimus is going back, and Paul said, I'm sending him back. Now, there's gonna be an opportunity in that moment, and Paul's taking a step of faith. Onesimus is taking a step of faith. Why? Because when Onesimus shows up with this letter, guess what? Philemon is the one who has a decision to make and he can either forgive or seek vengeance. Anybody with me? Now let me pause here and show you the context of forgiveness coupled with repentance. It's different. If a person is not repentant in their life and they still seek to harm you and destroy you, forgiveness looks different. You tracking with me? You don't forgive them in such a way that you invite them into their life to keep destroying you and harming you. I wish somebody to hear me this morning. But when someone comes to you under this kind of repentance and says, I'm risking my life, see, see, repentance is not I'm sorry. Repentance is I've changed my mind about how I was living. It's not right. And Jesus has changed me. And so because it's not right, I'm not going to live that way anymore. And I'm not just going to say that or wear a T-shirt that says, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go and do the thing that costs me. So he was living a life that showed he was repentant. And so by that, Philemon was required by his relationship with Paul and with Jesus to do what? Forgive. And my friend, listen to me. So are you. And so am I. We're required of God to forgive those who come in repentance, whose actions say they really are turning and they know it's wrong and they've turned a different way. Okay? Y'all, everybody okay? You, rock, you rocking with me? All right, let's read a little further along. Uh, back in verse number, uh, it says, I'm sending him back. You therefore, here's, here's the, here it is, you receive him. This is my own heart. This is what I desire. This is what the beat of my heart is. But now let me just tell you, I wanted to keep him for myself. You hear Paul there? You see it? Verse number 13, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed, if you decided to do that, would be not by compulsion, because I made, I made the decision, but that you would make the decision. It'd be voluntary. Listen, everything you do, every decision you make will in fact be voluntary. If you choose to stay angry, voluntary. If you, ch- if you choose unforgiveness, what's the word? voluntary. If you choose not to mend a person that's in repentance and trying to come back and be restored, it is voluntary. But on the other hand, if you choose forgiveness, it is also voluntary. He said, Philemon, here's the choice. Will you add power or effectiveness to your your sharing of the gospel by living the gospel? Listen to me. Back in verse six it was, I believe, he said that your gospel would be more affected by acknowledging the good that's in you. You're about to have a trial. You're about to have a situation where really you shouldn't forgive but you can have the potential to forgive. You're about to have a situation where you can choose kindness instead of meanness and you're gonna have a choice. And if you will, listen, if you will, if you'll choose the Lord's way, the gospel presentation of your mouth will have much more weight because of your lifestyle. Wow. You know the same's true for you? And for me, that when our lifestyle is one of forgiveness and grace, when we preach a gospel or share a gospel of grace and forgiveness, it has a lot more weight to it. Let me read a little further. Verse 15, for perhaps he departed. Listen to this. Now, this is really going to get you. I'm glad you're all sitting down. For perhaps he departed, left you, run out illegally, took from you for a while for this purpose. You see the person that hurt you and wronged you and things happen, there's a purpose to it. There's something God intends to do because of it. And sometimes the purpose of God using people's ill will and, and, and dark hearts is to give me and you an opportunity to show grace and forgiveness that the world has to scratch, your best friend has to scratch their head and say, what in the world are you doing? Oh, I'm forgiving. What is wrong with you? Don't you remember? Yeah, but God in Christ has forgiven me. And so I also must forgive. Boy, it's silent in the room. We can't even say that word sometimes. But the truth of the matter is a platform. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to forgive. Let me read a little further. So he says, perhaps he departed for a while. Maybe it is the very difficult situation you have has a purpose. Let me tell you, it does. The difficult person at your work, the difficult boss, the difficult people you deal with, the difficult teacher you have, the difficult parents God's assigned you to, the difficult child God's given you. Paul's saying, consider that there's a reason behind it. Something bigger. Something greater. And let me say to you this morning, I'm thankful that the difficult things in my life aren't just face value. Because that would be depressing. that make you want to stay home, man. Or go hunting this morning in the coolness of the morning. But because every hard thing you and I'll ever face has the potential to shine a light on Jesus. To shine the light on Jesus you and I can go through them. We can go through them. We can forgive. We can keep pressing on because he's worthy. Let me read, if I can, closing in verse 16, for no longer a slave, but more than a slave. Here's here's the opportunity. Maybe he stole from you. Maybe he stole from you and left you so that you would have the opportunity to show that Jesus really is Lord of your life. By doing what? By receiving him, not as a slave, but as a See, because the old way of living says, you stole from me, you're wrong, you're a slave, you owe punishment, you're going to get punished. The newness says, I was a slave and lost in my sin. Jesus set me free. I'm a child now. Hey, 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 come on in, brother, and give me a hug. Maybe it all happened for that reason. Maybe the hurt in your life happened just so that you could forgive and people would see that kind of forgiveness and see Jesus. No longer a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, love that, Especially to me, but much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Verse 17, there are a couple things I'm gonna show you in closing. Listen, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Here's what what we're saying. Now, the letter basically said this. When you receive this letter, this guy's gonna come, and when you see his face, you're gonna wanna kill him. (laughs) But I want you to see my face. I want you to see my face. See, See, later on, we say that, we understand that that Philemon's faith is because of Paul's preaching in Ephesus. And so his faith is related to Paul's surrender to the gospel, you see? And so what he's saying to him, and now, so there's a deep love, a fellow laborer. They've got a great relationship. They they appear to be very close. And he says, so when he shows up, because when they knock on the door and you see a face, and the face has wronged you, you're seeing the face now. The person that's hurt you, the person that's betrayed you. What feelings do you have? Hmm. Hurt, which we don't like, so we turn to anger. And Paul said, what feelings would he have if he he saw the guy who led him to Christ come to his door? That person that led you to Jesus, that person that's helped you in the the, the faith. When they not, what do you think about when you see their face? Come on, help me out. Somebody help me. How do you feel? Grateful, love, joy. I want to hang out with them. Paul said, when you see him, accept him as me. When he knocks at the door and you see the face of a slave who stole from you and left you, I want you to see my face, the one who surrendered his life and shared Jesus with you, and now you're saved. The picture is this. You and I were slaves to sin and lost and desperate without God and without hope in the world. And the word of God says that we can be accepted in the beloved. You know who the beloved is? Jesus. And that when God sees me and you, he doesn't see the face of who you are and what you've done. Listen to me. He sees Jesus, and he sees, by the way, does that not shock anybody in the room besides me? Because oftentimes when I look in the mirror, I see the things that I've done, and I'll think about the things that I've done in the past, and the ways that I fail, but I'm accepted. He's saying, I want you to accept him because you're accepted in the beloved. So we're accepted. The word is justification. It means that I want you to receive him just as if he'd never committed a sin. And guess what? In Jesus, when God sees me, he sees me as justified, just as if I never committed one sin. Hallelujah, boy, dance up here on this stage. You know why? Because he forgave me, and I'm forgiven. The next thing I want you to see is in verse 18. But if he has wronged you, here's a, oh, we're gonna talk for a second about that. We talked about justification in verse 17. Let's talk about imputation in verse 18. One of your favorite words. You used it 10 times this week, didn't you? Imputed means to take something, to impute, take something off an account and to place it on another's. Okay? Now, do you see that in verse 18? Anybody? Where do you see it? Paul is saying to Philemon what? He's wronged you. Onesimus has wronged you. He owes you. He's wronged you. He's broken your command. He's broken your law. And so he owes you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that sin and I want you to put it on my account. Now, I want you just for a minute to consider before we go into a time of response, I want you to consider the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to consider what it means for him to take his righteousness and place it on our account. That Jesus would say, now y'all don't start packing up just because I said we're about to close. Listen, this is the home run right here. That Jesus would say, I'm gonna take my righteousness and put it on Terry's account because he trusts me. What I did for him on the cross and that I rose from the dead and surrendered to me as Lord. I'm gonna take my righteousness and place it on his account. Why? Because I took his sinfulness and the word of God says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. Think about that for a minute. God took your sin and put it on his account. Paul said, listen, Philemon, I know he owes you. He can't pay you. Take what he owes and put it on my account. And Jesus took what you and I owed and he put it on his account and he paid it. You know what he said in in his last moments before he died? There's a Greek word you've heard, tetelus which means paid in full. You see, there was a debt we all owed, but Jesus paid it in full. Fool, I wanna invite you to bow your head with me for just a moment, will you do that? Just for a moment. I want you to consider it, what it is. I know you heard a lot this morning, but I want you to consider what you heard. Little longer message than normal, but I want you to consider all that you heard. And I want you to think for just a minute, how does this apply to me? What am I supposed to do based on what I've heard? I've heard today that I'm raised to walk new. I've heard that Jesus Christ makes us new. I have a new set of principles and I have a new set of opportunities. And my question would be this, am I living the principles and am I seizing the opportunities even when they're difficult? To point people to Jesus. Now, in a group this size, I know there are a lot of us would say, I'm not living the principles. And so I would just encourage you to make your way to the altar and just begin to pray, oh God, help me live the principles of the kingdom by your spirit. Brian's down front. I'm gonna ask Shane and Dawn's gonna come. I think Gerald's gonna come help me. I'm gonna ask Tina to come. And what I'm gonna do is ask you guys to stand to your feet for just a minute. We all stand to your feet in a spirit of prayer. And I believe this. I believe the altars ought to be flooding right now with people who are coming to say, you know what? I've got somebody in my heart that I need to forgive. And maybe you'd come take one of these by the hand at the altar. Come on, quickly. Don't waste time. I know some of you are ready to go and get something to eat. Come on out of your chair and come take one of these by the hand. Say, would you just pray for me? You don't have to share the experience. You don't have to share the name. Just say, would you pray for me? I need to forgive this person. Ladies, there are ladies up front. Guys, there are guys up front. Tina's over in the corner. Miss Dawn's down front. Come find somebody today and and ask the Lord. Would you say, hey, pray for me? Pray for me. I've been in a prison of anger and unforgiveness. You see, there was a trap set by the enemy. Someone's done you wrong, stolen from you, betrayed you. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll be in a prison. You'll be in a prison. They'll be scot-free. They'll be living their lives. You'll be in a prison. And Jesus never intended for that to happen. He paid too high a cost for you to stay in the prison of unforgiveness. Philemon had an opportunity. He Philemon, he had an opportunity. He had an opportunity to watch the gospel be laid out by his response to a wrong listen to me you have an opportunity you have an opportunity to show the gospel of jesus christ by how you respond to a wrong done to you you can't do it on your own listen you can't try hard enough first step is admitting that and coming to one of these listen there are people down here i know there's some still waiting in line y'all tina's over in the corner somebody needs to go in and share with her she'd love to pray with you I just knew there was going to be a big response, so I got other people to come down and help. So as the music continues, just pray, just stay before the Lord, just listening for what His Spirit says do. Those that are waiting, you just come. You just come. As the Spirit leads you, come. Come on, there are people in the aisle here waiting to be prayed for. Somebody pray with them. Miss Dawn's right here, ladies. Shane and Brian are down front. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And you hear about these new principles and it seems so hard. Maybe you've tried it and you can't, listen, you can't in your own strength live the principles of the kingdom. The king has to come take residence in your heart. You're trying to get the cart ahead of the horse. You're trying to make yourself clean and right before Jesus comes. Listen, he loves you right where you are. He will come right now where you are and he's the only one who can change you. So out there in the foyer, in the common area, and in the in the in the overflow room, those who are listening online, those who are in this room with us right now, uh, I, I believe with all my heart, there's somebody today who needs to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. And so, with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, on the front row, to the back row, left row, to the side, I'm looking around. Just please have your eyes closed. I want to ask this question of the group: If you're here today and God is drawing you into a salvation and calling your name, would you slip your hand up? I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I see your hand there, and I see you right there. Just slip your hand up. Say Jesus call. I see you right there in the middle, and I see you over in that corner. Just leave your hand right up. I see you back in the back. God bless you and the Lord bless you and you and I'm going to pray today that if the Spirit would put on you you'd have the courage to come today and say today I've made Jesus Lord of my life they're waiting to receive you down front just come take one of them by the hand say today I've made Jesus the Lord of my life it's as simple as that a child could understand but it's the most difficult thing you'll ever do because it requires full surrender if you will believe that Jesus died for you and rose again and invite him to be Lord he will save you and forgive you you respond as the Spirit draws I'm about to come down as well. You come. Come on, many you are coming. Don't hesitate. Hey, today, come. Say, I've not been living those principles. Would you pray for me? I've not been, I've missed the opportunity. I've responded with bitterness. I've responded with vengeance. Would you pray for me? Or I'm going through something right now, and I need help that I would respond in a gospel way. You come as the Spirit leads.